Matthew 25 Commentary The heart is the vessel which it is our wisdom to get furnished. For out of the good treasure there good things must be brought. But if that root be rottenness, the blossom will be dust. Grace is the oil which we must have in this vessel. In the tabernacle there was constant provision made of oil for the light. We see this in Exodus 35.14. Our light must shine before men in good works. But this cannot be, or not long, unless there be a fixed activity principle in the heart of faith in Christ. But remember that this oil which keeps the lamps burning is derived to the candlestick from Jesus Christ, the great and good olive. By the golden pipes of the ordinances, as it is represented in that vision of Zechariah 4, 2, 3, and 12. Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks. You know what I love about the Word of God? That there is no end to it. The parables that the Lord is teaching us in Matthew 25 are so in-depth with knowledge, understanding, and with the need for us to be alert and watchful and to discern the times we live in and as the day approaches. Now, with that said, here we are 2,000 years later, and the day is still approaching. Put yourself at that campfire with the 12 disciples in Matthew 24, when all the questions started coming out about his return. He told them how it was going to unfold, but they never experienced it all in a way that they had imagined. So why did he warn them? Why did he alert them? Jesus knew they wouldn't see the abomination of desolation and the description of what the prophet Daniel spoke in chapter 1131. Armed forces of his, the Antichrist, will arise in Jerusalem and defile and desecrate the sanctuary, the spiritual stronghold, and will do away with the regular sacrifice, that is, the daily burnt offering. And they, the forces of the Antichrist, will set up a pagan altar in the sanctuary, which is the abomination of desolation. Now, I would submit to you that the twelve disciples were being taught 2,000 years ago, just as we are being taught in the here and now, and to be used as, get this, conduits of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment for this generation we live in and the generations to come. That will be here at the moment of Jesus' return. But unfortunately, there is a great portion of Bible teachers, 
that teach pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation regarding the rapture of the church. But let's understand that the most important of all understanding is to be in paradise with him, just as Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross next to him. Romans 14.10 says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So, let's drop into Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus is describing the signs or the things that must happen before his return. He warns his bride to be prepared because judgment is coming. Now, with that said, he, Jesus, in Matthew 25, is describing the kingdom of heaven using three parables. Now, here's where it gets so very personal. Regardless of the tribulation, regardless of the abomination of desolation, regardless of the rapture, we are appointed to die once and then judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is in the plan that all men die once. After that, they will stand before God and be judged. Now let's slip back to Daniel 11.35. In verse 35, it says, Daniel's writing, Some of those who are spiritually wise, big word, wise, and have insight, will fall as martyrs in order to refine, to purge, and to make those among God's people pure until the end time, because it is yet to come at the time appointed by God. Look what Matthew uh, Henry says regarding Daniel 11.35. Matthew Henry says, some of those of understanding shall fall, but it shall be for the good of the church and for their own spiritual benefit. It shall be to try them and to purge and to make them white. They needed these afflictions themselves. The best have their spots as well which must be washed off, their dross, which must be purged out, and their troubles, particularly their share in the public troubles, help to do this, being sanctified to them by the grace of God. They are means of mortifying their corruption, weaned from them, from the world, and the awakening them to greater seriousness and diligence in religion. They try them as silver in the furnace is refined from its dross. They purge them as wheat in the barn with winnowed from the chaff. And they make them white as cloth by the fuller is cleaned from the spots Look what First Peter says in chapter 1, verse 7. He's referring to this, 
so that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested and purified by fire, may be found to result in your praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me put it this way. You as a listener may be here on planet Earth when Jesus returns, or you may not be here when he returns. Regardless of your situation, we are appointed once to die, and we are here with a purpose, and that purpose is to continually to be used as vessels of light to a lost and dying world. We are, are to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ as the plan or process continues as the day approaches for his return. Now, the words of the Lord must continue to feed the body of Christ, generation after generation after generation. On the day of his return, some will be here, but millions upon millions of images of God will have died and stood before him after their death. We are mandated and accountable to be those ambassadors who are called by him as his will is done. Let's look again at what Matt Henry says. He says, to encourage them in suffering for him, Jesus, he assures them that the kingdom of God now would now shortly be set up, notwithstanding the great opposition that was made to it. Luke 9.27. I love this. Jesus is, is saying, though the second coming of the Son of Man is at a great distance, the kingdom of God shall come in its power in the present age, while some here present are alive. He's talking to his disciples. They saw, and this is this is the gospel. They saw the kingdom of God when the spirit was poured out, when the gospel was preached to all the world and nations were brought to Christ by it. They saw the kingdom of God triumph over the Gentile nations in their conversion and over the Jewish nation in its destruction. Well, I love the voice translation with Luke 9.27. Verse 27 says, Are you ready for this? I'm telling you the truth. Some of you will not taste death until your eyes see the kingdom of God. Now look at the commentary in the voice translation about this. It says, In this section of Luke, I love this part, Jesus is working hard with the disciples. They have a lot to learn and not much time left to learn it. But their not getting it factor is quite amazing. 
Luke's tone. I love this. Luke's tone betrays him, shaking his head and chuckling as he writes, thinking about how foolish the disciples can be at times. And of course, he's probably thinking of himself, too, just as he hopes his readers will when they read about the stupid things the disciples say and do one moment, seeing and hearing glorious things, the next moment, missing the point entirely. But let's go on to verse 28. Those words had about eight days to settle in with the disciples. Then once again, Jesus went away to pray. This time he took along only Peter, John, and James. They climbed the mountainside and they came to a place of solitude. Verse 29 through 32, Jesus began to pray and the disciples tried to stay awake. Oh, these guys were always sleeping, weren't they? But their eyes grew heavier and heavier. Finally, they all fell asleep. When they awakened, they looked over at Jesus and saw something inexplicable. Can you just imagine happening? Jesus was changing before their eyes, beginning with his face. It seemed to glow. The glow spread, and even his clothing took on a blinding whiteness. When two figures appeared in the glorious radiance emanating from Jesus, the three disciples somehow knew that these figures were Moses and Elijah. Peter, James, and John overheard the conversation that took place among Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, a conversation that centered on Jesus, his departure and how he would accomplish this departure from the capital city of Jerusalem. Now here's the question today. If you're calling yourself a follower of Christ, are you denying self? Are you taking up your cross and being used as a conduit for the Word of God to be used throughout this generation? and generation, and generation after it. Folks, we need to really pay attention to what is before us and why we're here and our purpose. Well, it's a wrap for today, and I'm looking forward to our next time together. And by the way, if you have friends or relatives that come to mind as you listen, please invite them. And comments are always welcome, as well at this address, fillthelamp at yahoo.com. All one word, fillthelamp at yahoo.com. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just lift up each and every, each and every listener that is listening today. I pray that your word would penetrate into their spirit person. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way with them as you teach and as you grow and prepare them for the rest of the day that they're in now and for the days to come. I pray that they would get on their knees, on their face, and seek you with all their hearts. 
that they would understand this purpose. And this purpose is not anything other than seeing your will done in their life. And I pray this in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen. I'm Neil Parks.